Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We've got a lot of footy action to talk about. We've got some other things we need to discuss as well. But before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we are recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So today it's me, Marissa Lordanic, and Marnie Vinyl, no Anna Harrington this week, but she did want to make sure that you all knew she got a perfect round in the footy tipping once again. So it's almost like she is here recording with us with that little nugget of information, but she will be back shortly to join us to talk all the footy action. But for now, it's me and Marnie. Marnie, we've got a lot to get through. So let's start off just quickly with the round's results. It feels like this round started a million years ago because we've had so much happen in the space and we are recording on a Thursday, so there's lots to get through. But we started round three with Collingwood defeating Geelong by 11 points. Adelaide got the Chockeys over West Coast by 33 points. Melbourne had a very strong last quarter to defeat St Kilda by 41. Freyal, it was a bit of a similar situation. A strong last quarter saw them beat Richmond by 30 points. And then the Roos were just way too good for the Giants and beat them by 27. But we'll start with the beginning of the round, the Geelong-Collingwood game. Marnie, what were your thoughts on it? Feels like this happened about five weeks ago. I swear these rounds, by the time it gets to the end, you can't even remember the first game. But it was one of my favourite games and it was a very memorable game. And I actually wrote about this game for ESPN this week because I, it wasn't the most highest scoring game. So Collingwood scored 35, Geelong got 24. Just from the outset, those numbers don't scream the most exciting game that you've ever seen. But it really was. And the reason that it was, was the pressure was immense and it was so highly contested. When we talk about pressure, I think Geelong's defence just needs to get a massive shout out here. It was constantly causing the Pies so much turnover and they've got some great uh, forwards and incredible goal kickers. So to keep them at such a low score is like, I take my cap off to Geelong and Geelong really deserve a win at this point. All through fourth quarter, I was Really, really cheering for them, hoping they could get it home. They couldn't beat um, they couldn't beat the Pies, which is very fair enough. The Pies are one of the top teams, but it was such an exciting game. So, yeah, low scoreboard does not reflect a bad game. You just have to watch this game to prove that. Absolutely. And I think there was so much to like about this game and what these two teams offered up, like Chloe Malloy's goal. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. Sophie Vanderhoeven was allowed so much space and was a really important part of Geelong's team and getting them forward. She was absolutely incredible. I've criticised Geelong in the past for not scoring enough, but I do want to mention that they scored four goals in their first two games, but three in this one. So they've almost, you know, made up the numbers there in this one game. So they are progressing in the area that they need to, which is obviously goal kicking but um I also wanted to give a shout out speaking of kind of defensive effort and pressure Gemma Bastiani for women's.afl wrote a really great piece about Geelong's improvements and how they really are a strong defensive setup they've like it's incredible I would first of all recommend reading the piece in full because she's got all these stats and graphs it's really really fascinating but Geelong are like the third, they offer up the third fewest scoring shots for opponents. So they are hard to break down. They are hard to score against. And we saw that because we know that Collingwood 
can kick goals. They've got plenty of goal kickers in this team. So the fact that Geelong was able to restrict them and also find goals themselves is a really important thing for the Cats going forward. And I think I'm the same as you. I I think they're definitely going to get a win this season. They won't have to wait until the final round of the season, but they really have had a bit of a a rough trot in terms of opponents in these opening kind of rounds because everyone else has just been that little bit stronger. But I do think that win is coming very, very soon for them. But yes, we'll talk about some of the other games because we talked about it. Well, it's something we will discuss in a little bit of depth later, but this was the, the John Collingwood game had the closest final margin of all the games played in round three. So we'll discuss some theories about that a little bit later, but we will touch on some of the bigger wins. And I think we need to talk about the two games that almost followed the exact same storyline, which was obviously Freo and Melbourne's wins, where it was kind of toe-to-toe in both of those games, and then Freo and Melbourne just kind of kicked away in that final quarter. Marnie, do you have any theories as to why these two teams were so strong in the final quarters and ended up getting these wins? It was so interesting, wasn't it? Just watching... As you said, just like the games almost reflect each other in that four quarter, just avalanche of goals that Melbourne got over Saints um, and Frio got, who did Frio get them over? My God. Richmond. Oh my God, Richmond. I do want to put a caveat on this podcast that I am just getting over COVID and I feel like I've got the biggest brain fog and I just keep getting lost in my own thoughts um, and all of my sentences. So I'm sorry if nothing makes sense or if, not that much makes sense like this sentence. It's probably because of that. I'm deeply sorry. Anyway, I having COVID, it was great that I had so much footy to watch, I will say that. Anyway, so yes. So these games really reflected each other in both Melbourne and Freo just, just riding home in that last fourth quarter. So Melbourne did it over Saints and Freo did it over Richmond. And I think that a lot of the main big star names on both teams really contributed to that fourth quarter. I don't have a theory to why it took three quarters for that to happen, but it did. I think Pierce, Hoare and Harris and the leadership of Paxman for Melbourne really contributed to their win. As soon as they got in the groove, they started to get some goals and they just drove that momentum home and the Saints were just completely run over but I do want to give a massive credit to the Saints for holding back Melbourne for three quarters going into this game people assumed it was going to just be an absolute blowout and although it did end up being that they were even Stevens at three quarter time you know I had one of my friends text me be like what is going on I was like I don't know babe turn on the tv and she did and then she saw and she's actually a Saints fan and saw them get her demolished so that was a bit sad and then likewise for Freya you had the Antonios Cara and Ebony do amazing Kiara Bowers as always again I feel like every single week it's just going to be Kiara Bowers is pretty good wasn't she um because every week it's incredible what she does with that ball oh and also sorry to heart back to the Saints but Priest was amazing um I do want to give a shout out to her in the defensive effort sorry COVID brain I'm just jumping all over the place I'm so sorry what are your thoughts I first of all COVID brain you're fine because I don't even have COVID brain and my sentences aren't even that coherent at times but 
going to like the Melbourne St Kilda game, I was really impressed with Taylor Harris and just I thought this was kind of her best output in a D's jumper so far this season. Obviously, very aware that it's a small sample size, but I just thought this was her best game in a D's jumper so far and she was really influential on the scoreboard, which is ultimately what her what her job is. And I think it's important as well that it hasn't been a problem that she maybe hasn't been as influential on the scoreboard in other games because the D's have so much depth and ability to kick goals. They don't need to rely on Harris. But then when she does step up and got her marking in this game was excellent, just the cleanest hands, so easy to grab the ball in the air. She was really, really excellent. So I wanted to give a shout out to her and what she did in this game because I thought she was really excellent. I'm also trying to understand why it took them until the fourth quarter for both Frio and Melbourne, but just to, I suppose, the stats. So Melbourne kicked 6-5 to nothing in that final quarter, which is just bananas when you think about it, just in pure numbers. It's really, really unbelievable. And then Frio kicked five unanswered goals before Richmond started a tiny little comeback to get uh, back into it in the in the fourth quarter. But I don't have any kind of concrete theories in terms of why in terms of gameplay or anything like that. But the theory that I floated to Marnie was that the heat had something to do with the big scores and how the fact that these games were so close could have been down to the fact that these two teams were playing in the heat of day. We know it's a summer competition, so playing in hot summer conditions is unfortunately inevitable. And I thought that perhaps... The fact that it was so close for three quarters could be put down to the heat. It was the great equaliser in a way that both teams were feeling sluggish and hot and needed to kind of grind out these points and whatnot. But then obviously last quarter, whether it be better conditioning, better recovery, whatever it was, those two teams were then able to kick on and leave the other in the dust because they weren't dealing with the heat as much. So I'd love some thoughts, Marnie, on the heat factor and whether my theory has actually any weight to it. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I'm a doctor when it comes to talking about how heat affects, um, you know, the human body. But we do know that it does slow people down and it, you know, brings a bit of fatigue. It also spurs fatigue up. So you're more likely to get fatigued quicker and it just slows well, it potentially did. Again, this is a theory we're just playing out that it did just slow the entire pace of those games that were played in the heat. Because, yeah, Pires Geelong was the most hotly contested game, I would say, of the round, and it was played at nighttime. So that supports our theory. I think based off that, we can give it a big tick. I think we've done really well. I think we've nailed it. We know exactly what's up. We've laid out some arguments. Arguments We've used supporting yeah. evidence. I think it's... Yeah nailed on it's perfect we, we've nailed it um one thing I did want to say unfortunately with the Richmond Frio game we do need to make note of Harriet Cordner unfortunately it's been confirmed that she has done her ACL she's joined this awful club that continues to grow so we obviously wish her a smooth and speedy recovery and hope that no one else does their need this season touch wood but unfortunately I don't like the um the chances of us not getting another serious injury throughout this season. And just with that, I feel like these ACLs are just coming in so quickly and they're devastating and they're heartbreaking. And for everyone that does, we should give it that due and say how devastating it is because I don't want it to just to become like, oh, another one, oh, another one as they go on. I think a lot of 
a lot less noise was created over Cordner's ACL than the other three, and she deserves our absolute support as a community. Totally agree. I think the other ones, just because there was so many in that one round, that's what created that noise. But you're absolutely right. Every ACL is a a devastating ACL. So we obviously wish all of the players that have done them so far this season speedy recoveries. We can't wait to see them back out on the field. We we wanted to talk a little bit about some players who impressed us, but the thing was that we talked about it before we hit record and we both said the same name basically because she was just so fun. There's probably a little bit of recency bias as well because she did play in the most recent game. Remember, we are recording on a Thursday, but who was the player that impressed you the most this uh, weekend, Marnie? I think everyone will be very surprised to hear that it is Simi Farquharson. <laughs> Twitter was going off about Zimmy and fair enough. She debuted and she debuted in just such style. She was so composed, such a brilliant payout. She's got so much pace on her. She scored a goal. She's one of those players that's just so exciting to watch. She's so easy to get around. She makes it so easy to get around her. She's a constant. She's here. She's there. She's everywhere. And she's doing some really, really good stuff. She really contributed to that Brisbane Lions win. We'll also give a shout out to the whole other of the Brisbane Lions because they did come out of uh, COVID protocols postponing a game. We don't know, we're not on the inside how that affects teams, but I can imagine it's disappointing stress, frustration, also sickness involved in that. So for them to come out firing, amazing. But Zimmy, you'll hear her name a lot, I feel. She was just so Good. And I'm glad you mentioned the COVID protocols. We will talk about that in just a sec in terms of its kind of league-wide implications. But just on Zimmy, again, we, we spoke about it a little bit in I think maybe last week's episode or the one before, just about how these young players step up their debutantes and yet they do not miss a beat. They slot in so seamlessly and they just look confident and assured and they know what they need to do and they do it well and Zimmy was absolutely no exception to this rule she had 12 disposals 10 kicks five marks a tackle and a goal and she just she could have had more goals as well everything she did just looked good and right and part of me is like Carlton also made her look good because they were not the best particularly in that first half but got everything she did was so good and I'm just like rising star nom now like give it to her let's let's do it but god she was so good I'm so excited to continue watching her but let's talk a little bit about the COVID thing like you said you've mentioned you've had it you've been dealing with its symptoms and then its after effects but we wanted to talk about it in relation to these athletes these high performance athletes who are expected to perform at the highest possible level and how they are doing that even though COVID really can knock you about. And you've obviously got the the lived experience to talk us through this. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend that I am a semi-professional player in any capacity, but coming out of COVID, a walk around the block was what I was aiming for. The idea that these players are going from being sick to full training and then to a game that is so physical and requires so much of the human body is kind of mind-boggling. And I think we have to keep a lot of a lot of that in mind and treat a lot of these players, a lot of these games, a lot of these teams with a lot of thoughtfulness when it comes to how we're talking about them. Because it's very important, 
I feel, and it's very respectful to treat these games and these competitions like they are the semi-professional competition that it is. They are elite players. And so we should be analysing these games. We should be analysing the players and the stats, the way some have good games, others don't. When teams disappoint, I think it's very fair that we should say that. But we should also be keeping in mind that all of these teams and this whole competition, staff behind the, you know, the players as well, everyone involved is going through such a difficult circumstances, difficult circumstances and all these COVID complications that are really affecting them. And we can't know exactly what's going on. But as I said, I feel like it is causing stress and frustration and sickness, like actual sickness so to expect these players to go from being bedridden you know Bonnie too good on the W show said how sick she was to go from that to playing a full four quarters that's a that's a huge ask I think and hypothetically if she did come out this round and had not her best game ever and I don't expect that to happen because she's such a brilliant player I assume she'll be amazing but let's say she wasn't I think that's fair enough in the way that we talk about that game to include that in there. And also when it comes to COVID complications, that the Eagles and Frio are on the road and that is causing, well, again, I'm not in their situation, so I don't know, but I can imagine it is, it is a difficult situation and it is adding to the pressure and the stress of this competition. So uh, Cara Antonio at the end of Frio's win, she said that the wins mean so much more. And they absolutely do. They are sacrificing so much to be there. So when they are firing, they are firing with that in mind. That's brilliant. When the Eagles aren't doing as well, I think we need to keep that in mind when we talk about why they're not doing so well. They're on the road. They've just had their game postponed. So obviously something's happened there with COVID coming into their playing group. It's really heartbreaking for them. It's really stressful. And we just need a little bit to be cognizant when we're talking about that and just treat it with a bit more thoughtfulness I think no you're, you're spot on there I think it is important to to treat it like any kind of return from either injury or Ill- illness it's still even if you are right there's still time and kind of a situation where you do need to build back into games and into fitness and into match minutes and things of that nature so I think you're spot on and I think for the most part people are pretty aware of the situations and things like that I don't think there's a whole heap of people but for those that are like oh she's not playing well it's like yeah maybe you know have a little think friend have a little think about why that might be the case Um, but also as you mentioned we now know that the game on Friday between the Eagles and Saints is cancelled at this stage due to COVID cases in the West Coast camp so we will obviously find out when that game is being rescheduled at this stage the Eagles are set to play Collingwood on Tuesday February 1st at that stage that match is still going ahead obviously we will keep our eyes on the ever-changing fixture and schedule as it kind of progresses but let's talk a little bit we'll do some handy point it's 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 a handy point but it's a, a big handy point because it kind of encompasses a lot of things that happened in Pride Round. We know how amazing Pride Round is and what it means and what it can do from a sartorial perspective. We love looking at the jumpers and 
besides what they mean sometimes it is a little bit of fun to just be like mm, that one's pretty I just like it because it's pretty or no I don't like that one it's ugly but I love what it means but it's ugly um, but there were lots of things that came out of this round some of them great some of them not so great so the first thing that we wanted to talk about was the eagles their lack of jumper and the kind of response to the whole situation it became a really really big thing so Marnie did you want to talk to us a little bit about the west coast pride fiasco yeah so eagles didn't have a pride guernsey and that was incredibly disappointing frustrating and heartbreaking for the competition especially for those a part of the community the a4w community but also the eagles community and i want to highlight that because i saw a little bit of noise around eagles playing crows and how excited the fan base were that they were going up against such a tough team because the crows were you know really kind of put them in their place scoreboard wise um and even during the competition you know really reveling in the eagles losing and you know never been so happy to see a team lose when these are players that i think it's safe to assume didn't stick their hand up and say no nah, we don't want to pride guernsey i think it was a decision that was made probably without a lot of their input i would imagine so and Pride is all about inclusiveness, is it not? So should we not include the players in that? Should we not say, hey, we've still, you know, you're still a part of this, absolutely. If you want to be, you absolutely can be. And to their fan base as well, I think that if I was an Eagles fan, it is incredibly hurtful that we don't have a Guernsey, but then to hear the AFLW community that are celebrating Pride to be so, you know, I'm happy the Eagles are losing. It doesn't really feel very fair. And so I did just want to say that because I think it should be, it should have been top of mind to be extra inclusive. And, and, the, and the people that did, especially on social media, the people that did go out of their way to say, you know, the Eagles and players, the Eagles players and community, especially that are part of the LGBTQI community, we see you you're a part of this. I really appreciated that. I think that that was in really good taste and a really part of what Pride Round is about. In saying that, head coach Michael Pryor saying, you know, this Pride thing has been done to death. Yes, that quote was semi-pulled out of context when it was first posted on social media and the community kind of ran with that. But even taking out of context, it still proves exactly why we need a Pride round because we need that education, we need that knowledge because there's no way that you can do Pride to death. There's no way that you can do inclusiveness to death. And we constantly need to be learning, constantly need education. I loved uh, Tori Grove's little said ahead of the round, um, they said that uh, they want to see more of these identities that are on the fringes, so non-binary, asexuality, ones like that get talked about more in the conversation because those are the ones that we need more education on. And I love that. I could not agree more. I have learned so much from Tori and so much from Darcy Vessio in these past weeks. Um, and I only want to see more of that. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the West Coast thing is really, it, you, you make a really good point in that there would be a lot of people that were hurt by that decision. And then to kind of be dunked on further is just a real slap in the face. And my thought process is always like, all of this could have been avoided if they simply made a pride jumper for pride round. It's like, it's not like they wouldn't have known that pride round was coming up. Every other club did it. It was such an easy kind of 
controversy to avoid. All they had to do was make a jumper. Did you not uh, see their training singlet? <laughs> I had some thoughts on the training singlet. If you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen my power rankings of the Pride jumpers and right down the very bottom was West Coast's training singlet. <laughs> but no, so while that was a, a less than desirable thing to happen in Pride Brown, there were some really important moments and some things that kind of came from the round that really highlighted why they why the pride round is so important and special and so much needed so the thing that I absolutely loved was a post from Daisy Pierce post game she had some photos of her playing with her twins little Sylvie and Roy and they're both obviously decked out in their D's jumpers and little Roy's asked mum why is yours colorful and Daisy has written a beautiful caption on this Instagram post and basically said this is our D's pride jumper. It's a symbol to everyone, including him, that you can love whoever you want and be whoever you want and will always love him and be proud of him. And I think it was just such a nice moment that it was that conversation starter, even for someone as young as Daisy Pierce's kid. So I can't imagine a much older than three, four. I don't remember how old the kids are, but it's a conversation starter for kids, for adults, for everyone in between, and for it to be something that sparks this conversation and promote a a really loving, inclusive kind of thing is so important. And it was just really, really lovely to to see that and to have that message be spread. And also maybe, I don't know, it helps other parents discuss with their kids, you know, why why is my favourite footy team wearing a, a rainbow jumper? And it starts that conversation and it just kind of snowballs and becomes a really positive thing across the board. So that was a really, really lovely thing to see. Money, was there anything else that you really liked to see from this Pride round? Uh, yeah, so Danny Laidley doing the coin toss at North versus Giants was a really beautiful moment and that representation to not just say we're trans inclusive but to have a trans woman do the coin toss who's been a part of North's club was very meaningful and the significance behind that was huge and that moment was really celebrated amongst the community And that is also what Pride is very much about. It's celebration. It's paying tribute and it's celebrating and it's beautiful. And then both teams run out under the same um, banner. And I always love when that happens. That always just makes my heart swell a little bit. I'm like, ah, we're all in this together. And then they go toe to toe. It's my fave. Love the High School Musical reference. We're all in this together, yeah. indeed. But no, it was it was so nice to see that Danny has been welcomed back into not just the footy fold, but into the North fold, because obviously North is a huge part of her life and a huge part of her story. So to see her welcomed back and generally celebrated was so beautiful. We saw that, you know, the, the Twitter post from North, you know, showing that she was doing the coin toss, they had the replies turned off for that tweet. So it shows you that there's still a fair way to go in terms of, how we or how inclusive we actually are as a community as a society but I think it was a really important step for North to just be like no she's she's one of us she's a shimboner like she absolutely should be here so it was really important to to see them support her by having her included in this round and in the footy club there's another story that we do need to talk about regarding pride but we won't go into too much depth with it but as we've said a couple of times now, we're recording on a Thursday. So there are reports that GWS giant Hanin Zerika will be pulling out of their game because she does not want to wear the pride jumper due to religious reasons. That hasn't been confirmed as yet. We'll obviously see once the teams are announced and the game is actually played, but that is a story that we'll keep an eye on. And 
obviously talk about if it does kind of come to fruition in next week's episode. Instead, we will turn our attention to the other games in round four. And I think we'll obviously run through all the fixtures, but there's two games that we have absolutely highlighted because, oh my God, they're very tasty clashes. So Marnie, which one would you like to talk about of the two big games that are happening in round four? What a coin toss. How do I pick one? Well, by the time this goes live, one will already be played out. I'm going to talk about the other one, which is Adelaide v Melbourne. So I'm... So both games are the top four teams and are just being very dominant in the competition. And for this game, you know, whether it's Adelaide or Melbourne for the past three rounds, they've been favourites by far. This will be such a clash where it's going to be hard to pick who's going to come out on top. And hopefully that'll be reflected in the actual game and it'll be so highly contested. Hopefully, well, this is going to show a little bit of bias. I was going to say, hopefully Woodland gets another four goals. (laughs) Hopefully Harris does too. Obviously, we want both teams to do really well and get as many goals as possible. I'm so excited to see this. It's gonna, it's really gonna determine some ladder where think where places. Also, to put a little bit of spring in whatever side wins step to just keep that momentum going and cement themselves as really the top side. There'll be two top sides coming out of this round. I'm obviously going for Adelaide if that wasn't clear. (laughs) But that's what I'm very excited about. Crazy demons. I was going to say, you're like, I want both teams to do well. And I'm like, I don't. I want Adelaide to do well because I tipped them. (laughs) And that is my only reason. (laughs) Nothing against Melbourne. I simply tipped the Crows and therefore I want them to do well. (laughs) But no, you're right. It's going to be such a fascinating contest. And I'm really interested with this game to kind of see how Melbourne in particular deal with it because I feel like Adelaide have kind of been unchallenged. They've been really strong and they've just been allowed to be strong. Where the Ds have shown maybe not signs of weakness, but teams have kept up with them. And we saw that literally in the last round with St Kilda. We saw that a team can go toe-to-toe with them, and then the Ds can blast away. I don't think the Crows are going to be that kind of team that Melbourne can just run away with it in the end. So I'm really interested to see how that one plays out. Obviously, the other game we're talking about is Collingwood Freo, which is happening tonight, Thursday night. This one's really exciting as well, especially because it's kind of billed as a clash where Collingwood has such a good defensive structure and are a strong defensive team, where Freo, we know, are just so good at scoring goals they've got Antonio they've got Horton they've got all of these great players so it's a real defense v attack kind of game what are you looking forward to with this one money basically what you just said I'm really excited to see Collingwood's defense match up with Freo's forward it'll be interesting to see if that if um Collingwood's defence causes a lot of Frio turnover or whether it'll just be a really high-scoring game where we get a lot of Frio goals and then we just get a lot of Collingwood goals. I'm so excited. I also am just, like, so wary to talk about it because by the time this goes live, it would have been already played so people can listen being like, well, that's not what happened. <laughs> you don't know anything. Um, so, but, yeah, we'll have a lot more to say about this game next week. But I'm, oh, I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see Malloy just do what Malloy does. I'm so excited to see Bowers do what Bowers does. The Antonios. 
I'm just going to list every player at this point. I'm very excited to see both these teams go to the zoo. Who did you tip, though? I haven't done my tips yet. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, as soon as we jump off this, I'm going to do my tips. As you said that when talking about the Crows, I was like, oh, damn it, got to get them in. Um, but I will tip. Oh, this is so hard. I will tip Rio based off the fact they're on the road, so I want them to win it more just because they're sacrificing more. I don't know. I don't, I'm not even confident in that call at all. I have tipped Freo. I just think there's something about them and whether it is like, you know, the Kiara Bowers factor or whatever it is, I just think there's that little bit of something that will get them over the top in this clash. But obviously... Those aren't the only two games of round four. They're just the ones we're most excited to see. But we will see the return of the dogs. They will be back in action after a few weeks of COVID protocols and they travel up to Sydney to take on the Giants. As we've mentioned, the St Kilda uh, Eagles game has been postponed due to COVID cases in the West Coast camp. But we have Adelaide and Melbourne. Brisbane taking on the Cats, that could be really fun and interesting. Um, Obviously, we've got then Carlton taking on North and the Suns taking on Richmond. Then we've got a couple of what the AFL is calling additional games, which is a little bit confusing, but they'll be taking place on Tuesday, February 1st. So at that stage, we've got uh, the Eagles and Collingwood and the Dogs and Freo. But obviously, if anything changes, we will discuss it. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled on social media for any kind of fixture changes because, unfortunately, we've realised they're bound to happen and they're bound to happen quite a bit. But that's enough from us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to get your footy tips in if you are in a competition. Marnie, I have already done it. Anna's probably ha- hasn't done it either, but she'll still get a perfect round just because of who she is at a, as a person. But the three of us will be back next week to take you through all the round four action. But until then, see ya. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.